by Ticket Smarter, and Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year for David's 08 Ford Mustang. We want to tell you a little bit about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck race throughout the season. Visit TicketSmarter.com. That's TicketSmarter.com. On today's show, we are joined by Greg Biffle. No one we'd rather have for the coveted 69th episode than Greg Biffle uh, himself. He'll join us in just a moment. But before we get to Greg, David Starr is here with us, as always. David, off of a Memorial Day weekend, the biggest day in motorsports on Sunday, and what we saw with Denny Hamlin winning in Cup and the exciting Indy 500 in Monaco. It was just a great day of racing on Sunday, wasn't it? Man, it was a great weekend. And, man, I, I woke up, caught the Indianapolis 500, which is one of my favorite races. And, uh, you know, it was exciting. And uh, and then to back that up with the Coca-Cola 600, man, what a race that was. It was unbelievable all the way to the end, you know. And, uh, you know, right there with that, you know, so much action packed, so many wrecks. But, man, it came down to the last lap to see who was going to win that thing, and it was exciting. So, great weekend of racing. Yeah, it was. Dominic Oregon from the RacingExperts.com joins us as well. Dom, how are we feeling? Doing great off a weekend trip to Utah, Nevada, or not Utah, Colorado, and Arizona with my future brother-in-law and fiance. We had a good time. We watched a lot of the stuff at the hotel. The great racing action this weekend. Good to be back in New Mexico, though. How about you, Tyler? I'm doing uh, very well, Dom. Uh, it's uh, It's was a nice weekend uh, celebrating my birthday, uh, turning 26. And uh, so back in the uh, saddle again here on uh, Let's Go Racing. But I want to look back uh, on that that race with Denny Hamlin getting it done in the Coke 600, started on pole. David, I would say that that race was a good sign for the next-gen car, the way that it drove and lasting as long as it did in that mile and a half course. I think fans can be pretty happy with what they saw on the next gen on Sunday. Well, you know, I'm not real sure if they got the next gen car all figured out, but, uh, you know, I'm sure if you ask a lot of the drivers, you know, it's still, you know, it's still, there's still a lot of work that needs done to it, but the racing since they debuted the car in Daytona, and I'm, I'm interested to hear Greg's take on it. Uh, you know, I'm sure it still needs some tweaking and some testing, but, uh, but the racing's been pretty solid. It's been pretty exciting, you know, since the season started. And, man, the same thing what we saw uh, sun, uh, Sunday night at the Coca-Cola 600, you know. And it was just so many guys that had struggled that you wouldn't think that would struggle at Charlotte. But, uh, man, a lot of them struggled. Denny, Denny's car, I mean, I watched him throughout the race with others. And they struggled, bounced off the wall. A lot of them spun out. But, man, as the race as the race matured and the race went on, you know, the adjustments they were making and, and the nutrition, you know, people falling out, people wrecking, you know, the guy, I'd never thought that Denny Hamlin was going to win the race. If you were watching him the first three quarters of the race, he just wasn't very good, but they never stopped fighting. And man, look what happened, you know? Yeah. And uh, Dom, the, the win for Denny Hamlin, <laughs> Denny Hamlin. Uh, now I think we have to talk about him as one of the contenders again here in, 
in uh, 2022. I mean, he's he, even at this point in his career, he made a lot of headlines this past week, still finding ways to get into victory lane in the biggest races. Oh, absolutely. And I think his team said it best a few weeks ago. They are the most dangerous 22nd place team in the Cup Series. And I agree with that. They've led laps everywhere. They put the race together at the Coaches Hunter when it counted. Granted, not the most laps led, but right there at the end when it mattered. Yeah, yeah, it, it was uh, something else for sure that Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota battling right there with Kyle Boyce for the win. Uh, JGR looking really strong on Sunday. Dominic, uh, before we officially bring in Greg Biff, we'll go over the, the resume for Greg. It's so impressive, and he's done it in multiple series uh, in motorsports here. Man, I'm going to have to have, like, papers and papers. His <laughs> racing resume. We're talking somebody that hails from Vancouver, Washington, Got to start in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Is the 2000 series of that champion, or champion of the 2000 series in the Truck Series. 2002 champion of the NASCAR Xfinity Series. 19 Cup Series wins. He's racing in the Cup Series this year. He's accomplished across all three national touring series of NASCAR. Greg, we talked about getting you on here since Daytona. We couldn't think of a more fitting guest for episode 69. Thank you for joining us this week. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited that. I got chosen to, for the old uh, number 69. <laughs> I have to ask you, have you ever been guest number 69 or the 69th episode of any podcast or any race? Never. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first. Uh, Greg, what, what is it about the number 69 or something that has the appeal? Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's the year I was born. <laughs> so that is the... Uh, that is that's has always been my favorite number ever since. It's a great year, Greg. It is. I think they made a song about that, didn't they? Summer of '69 or yeah, something. Absolutely. Anyway, that, absolutely. I think that song was talking about your birth, right? Because you're born in July of '69. So there you go. There it is. Yeah. Oh, that's great, uh, Greg. So much that we can talk to you about, but. Uh, I, I want to just start out by catching people up to speed. Tell us all you're up to. We saw you uh, back in the Cup Series this year with New York Racing. You're doing the SRX Series as well. What does your 2022 look like, Greg? Well, I've been doing some off-road racing. We, we sort of developed a, a, a series, if you will. We, we were racing side-by-sides, or a lot of people recognize them as uh, a Polaris. UTVs. So we, we build these off-road cars and it's always been a passion of mine over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And the, the UTVs or side-by-sides have gotten really popular. And of course, as David knows, you can't have anything that's stock. So you, you know, you want it to go as fast as you possibly can. So we were putting big turbo kits on them and doing all these things, you know, a big weekend, holiday weekends, we're out at the hill, you know, grudge match, racing everyone. And then it started getting a little more serious. So we developed a series um, called Sand Outlaw Series. And we run, we run four to six races a year. Our first race is coming up June 11th in Utah. Wow. We race Sand Mountain, Utah. So I was up at the shop earlier, uh, dyno in a Can-Am car for, for a friend of mine um, that lives out there. So we're, you know, I'm doing that SRX Series wasn't really planning on doing cup racing this year, but that that sort of developed, and and I've actually really enjoyed it. It was fun to get back to the the track and run run a few races. David knows what it's like. It's it's like a extended family. 
And <laughs> yeah. so to get back and see the officials and the other drivers and friends and, and team guys, it's been fun for me this year to, to get back and see all that. Man, it was good to see you in the Daytona 500, Greg. It was uh, it was awesome, man. It's uh, man when that when we heard that you were going to drive in the Daytona 500, man, it was like, man, what a what a story that'd be if Biff could take a brand new team and and put the you know in the first next gen car, put it in victory lane, just to be out there was pretty awesome. You know, what do you think about the new car and what's your opinion of it? You know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Uh, to hear your opinion of it, but it's interesting, like a lot of the powerhouse teams that were building chassis and have an advantage aero-wise and have all the technology and the resources, it's kind of interesting that now, you know, the steel, the powerhouse teams are still going to have the funding and, and the backing from the manufacturers and all the technology you could ever want. But what's it like, you know, to race where, you know, the same guy, you can buy the same parts and pieces. It's almost, you know, it's not, but it's almost like an IROC car, you know what I mean? But the still, the powerhouses, teams are still going to find a way to get to the front. Right. It, and, I mean, you're right. We, we call it, you know, we call it the who's got the best mousetrap, right? right. And, and so who can take what they're given within the rules and make it, better than everyone else that's what we try and do and that's the you know that's pushing the edge pushing the envelope getting in that gray area that's why these guys get in trouble that's why they go through tech three times and don't get to qualify or lose their crew chief because they're pushing the edge and pushing that envelope and they understand they have all the engineers and resources they understand what makes speed in the car um i i when i first saw the car I was a little, it's kind of funny how this, how this happened because I went to Riley uh, Motorsports here in Mooresville and went and looked at a uh, LMP3 car and looked at a Trans Am, you know, Trans Am car, then a TA2 car. So I'm wandering through the shop looking at these, uh, all these cars. And I think they had a GT3 and a GT4. So they had a bunch of stuff. And I was Google eyeing over it because it's all carbon, you know, it's all really, really badass stuff. Right. And then I go to RCR where the, the, the car was, this car I've been talking with John about for two years now, you know, it's like, I'm going to build a car. I'm going to, I'm going to go <laughs> racing. Will you drive it? And so this buildup, he finally, I'm like, I got to go see this, you know, because we've been talking about it for a while. But honestly, when I saw it, I was, I was a little taken back. I was kind of surprised. It's it's hard to explain. They have some really great ingenuity on some items. And then it's like some stuff, it looks like, you know, where we've kind of taken a few steps back or they have. Right. Um, two by three rectangle upper frame rails instead of a piece of round tube. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, it looked like a tractor to me when it was sitting there instead of a race car and they didn't make it very sexy let's put it that way right and but they they i love the independent rear suspension i love mm -hmm. the rack and pinion steering in the front uh ergonomics inside is not bad uh the dash seems a little bit too high for for a lot of the drivers so <clears throat> you have to sit pretty high in the car pretty high cg center right. of gravity for a race car race cars Kind of low to the ground and and you see you know kind of a low center of gravity 
Right. I'm not going to blame that, you know, the 17 car flipping down the front stretch, which we saw right. in the 600. I'm not going to blame that on center of gravity. But I'll tell you, it makes a difference when you get a car that's short and wide versus kind of taller and, and narrower in the weight. You know, it, it probably helped that thing, you know, tumble more than it, than it may have. But overall, I think they've narrowed up that box and ultimately it's going to save the team's money down the road. It's cost them tremendously now. But it will eventually save them money down the road. And you're right, David. You hit it on the head. The big powerhouse teams are going to continue to figure out how to get the thing the best because they have 30 engineers figuring out. You know, they're they're taking from what I understand, they're taking these bodies that are that are made by a company, five star, and putting them in the oven and heating them up to to comp you know to mold yeah. reshape the body panel. Just, a, you know, that 10 thousandths, that 50 thousandths of an inch, maximizing, you know, to the template everywhere. The, the small teams, one, don't have the resource to know where to do that at. And, you know, plus the expense and the people and the man hours, these 44 guys, uh, you know, they have a hard time making every other event, just getting everything prepared. So it's, uh, you know, putting the thing in the, oven and heating it up and bending it you know you gotta there, there's a lot to it so yeah that's amazing man but it's cool i i have to be honest with you man it's cool when greg biffle's back in a cup car you know what i mean because i i felt like towards the end and not not the end of your career because i don't think you know you uh you didn't retire you just uh you know i don't know what you call it you you uh, just took a break from it but, you know, at the time, you know, uh, I forget you were driving for Roush, yep. if I remember right. You know, and at the time, they uh, they just couldn't give – you give Greb Biffle a – you give you a Hendricks car, and you're going to find yourself in – you're going to find you in, in a winner's circle. But, you know, it seemed like at the time, the last two or three years that you were driving for Roush, it seemed like y'all really got – behind on the technology and what was going on afternoon, racing and uh but man i know for a fact Mr. Dad hasn't looked at you once this entire trial has been uh, driver to driver you uh there's nobody better you know what i mean you you can race with the best of them and get your car in a victory lane i mean i forget how many uh wins you have on the cup side but you know that's kind of I, I guess i asked the question at the end when you kind of were stepping out were you frustrated with uh, with the way the organization was going? Was it not going in the direction you thought it should be going, or did they get behind, or how did all that happen? Was that a big uh, did that have a big influence on you kind of stepping out and taking a break? Yeah, it really it really did, David. I mean, you know, I there's so many levels, I guess. Um, you know, I felt like as a race car driver. I told myself that when I feel like I can't win anymore, it, it, you know, whether that be because of my driving ability or that is the race car. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to hang it up. And, and that's exactly what I told myself all along. I'm not going to be out there driving, um, hoping that I'm going to catch a break, hoping I'm going to do something, you know, been successful. 
And it got to the point, you want to have faith in a team. You don't want to, I didn't want to also didn't at the same breath, didn't want to give up right on, on Roush Fenway. And so the problem is I stuck in there till the very end and, you know, kind of, so to speak, went down with the ship. You know, we saw Matt Kenseth leave. Yeah. Then we saw Carl Edwards leave. And those guys went over and had, you know, they're both great drivers and went, went and had great success at other teams. And I feel on one hand, looking back at it, that I wish I would have done that. And, uh, but I got to the point where I was so frustrated that we'd sit in meetings and how we would basically tell each other how we're going to be better this week and and we've got this and we've got that and we got that and we show up at the racetrack and you know we could we could get between 15th and 20th back and forth but but we just we were just there was just no David when we put the car in the trailer leaving the shop I knew there's no possibility that we could win and, that's and I'm awesome. thinking okay well maybe next week or maybe in four or six weeks we're going to be able to figure something out to get back to where we could, you know, compete and win races. And that just, I could see where we were headed and that wasn't going to happen. And so I, it was a rough decision for me, but it was killing me mentally and physically uh, as a competitor to, you know, go out there every week and, and stand in front of the sponsor and everything else and buckle into that car and all those race fans think that you're going to run in the top five or even the top 10. And I just knew that wasn't happening. Right. And, and I just said, I cannot do this anymore. I just, I just can't do it. And, uh, you know, I walked away from that deal with a year left of my contract. Wow. You know, we, we, we had a handshake deal that, that I was going to be released from my contract. And then they didn't follow through with that because I had a few other opportunities. I had the 31 car at Childress lined up at one point and, and a couple other deals. And they wouldn't release me from my contract until after Homestead. So after the last race was over, well, you know, as well as I do, September sort of the the timing month that you got to have your deal done. And once I got to that point, I said, well, you know, obviously I'm taking 2017 off. And uh, I'll tell you, when I took 2017 off, it was probably the best thing I did because I really, really enjoyed it. I got to spend time with my daughter. I got to do a tremendous amount of things that you don't get to do when you race the Cup Series. Even racing the trucks, you have so much more time off. Right. You know, Uh but the Cup Series is just a grind. And after I spent the first year, first six months was really, really tough, obviously. Right. Uh, but after that, I really got into a position where I, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. And not that I didn't want to go back. I just felt like I'm not going to go back unless it's the, just the perfect opportunity at a high-level team, which probably isn't going to happen at my age. They're probably going to get a young guy. And so my deal was I'm going to I'm going to stand by and just see what happens. And, uh, you know, there wasn't really any opportunities. I'm glad no one got hurt or any of those things. But the prior three years, Tony Stewart got hurt. And then uh, Kyle Busch, you remember in Daytona, 
yeah. had the accident, broke his yeah. leg. Yeah. And then somebody else had, uh, uh, you know, an issue with, with some testing coming up to the, you know, before the season started and, and sure. weren't eligible. So, um, you know, I just thought, well, I'll, I'll be the, I'm number one standby guy and, and nothing happened. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking with a few teams, believe me, I turned down a fair amount of stuff just because I wanted to win. I, I want to get in the race car, put my helmet on and, and just give me an opportunity. Right. And, and, Fast forward to getting in the 44 car, I felt like, you know, either I could get in a competitive team and win, help another driver that, that may have gotten hurt or whatever, or that kind of goes along with help a team get their start in the sport or, you know, kind of make a comeback. And so I told, told them, the 44 New York racing team, I'd come back and, and help them get their program going and use my experience and my knowledge to try and get them pointed in the right direction. Right. Well, I know one thing, the fans were excited about it. A lot of people, I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, I heard a lot of fans, you have a lot, you got a big, big following out there and man, people were excited that the Biff was back in a race car, you know what I mean? But it's, it's understandable. It's kind of interesting to hear you speak about, you know, Roush Fenway, you know, just, you saw that and, you know, Greg Biffle went from winning all these races to, uh, to, you know, all of a sudden, you, you, your car is not very competitive. And, and, you know, people know, we know, and uh, the people on the inside the industry know. I don't know how much the fans know, but, you know, you, you talk about Greg Biffle. Biffle can get in anything and win, you know what I mean? So it just, it plays on your mind. It's, it's emotional. It's, uh, you yep. know, it's just, it's draining, you know, so it's understandable. Uh, but, man, like you said, you saw uh, Carl Edwards and, and – Matt Kenseth, you know what I mean? When they stopped winning there, man, they they got they got they they vacated as quick as impossible as possible, you know. And you saw what they went on to do, and you know, I think if you would have got that opportunity, uh, you would have done the same thing, you know. And and it's it's you know I don't know, you know, you were very loyal to them, and hopefully they appreciated that because you know who else was it going to get? I mean, there wasn't a lot of people standing in line to go drive for Roush Fenway at the time because you know you. You know, the people on the inside knew that all of a sudden the lights flipped switch and it just wasn't very competitive. But, man, you you hung in there and it was kind of interesting to see you do that, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I felt really loyal. And and the other thing about that is, is the sponsor had a tremendous amount to do with it. Uh, 3M, I had a bunch of uh, great relationships with, with folks at 3M. Um, you know, senior VP of marketing and a lot of other people. Over my career, I had, you know, really four sponsors. Right. And so I had long-term uh, great relationships with those sponsors. And I just, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't really want to leave them as well. Sure. And, uh, you know, the way contracts are, you know, you, you can't leave and go to another team and then your sponsor come over there. There's got to be you know, a year or two gap or something. So I knew it was going to be, uh, you know, leaving those, those folks, but those were hard decisions. And, and I just took the easy route and, and stayed with it. And I wanted to help get the company turned around. I wanted to help get back to winning races. You know, I just felt like I could do that. And, uh, you know, the old saying, pushing rope uphill, it's right. 
it's really hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. is it true, Greg? I remember reading or hearing that about 2013, 2014, there were rumors floating around that you were potentially going to join Michael Waltrip Racing. Was there any truth to that? And if so, how close were you to actually joining the organization? You know, there, there's a lot of truth to some of those things uh, along the way. I uh, I spoke with um, I spoke with Gibbs about driving the 20 car uh, prior to Joey Logano getting in it. Um, I, I talked to Michael. I talked to Petty. Um, I talked to a few different teams about about driving for him. I talked to Ray Abraham about coming and driving for his program. So you know, I talked to a lot of different teams. And a lot of them had interesting offers and, you know, um, propositions, you know, partial team ownership, those kinds of things. And I just, at the end of the day, felt like I was in the best spot at Roush Fenway. I was a senior guy there and e even kind of in 2013. Um, and, and so I just, again, kind of, I don't know if it's the easy route, but I just decided to stay. I had a great relationship with 3M. And, and to be honest with you, that's, that's probably what, what solidified me staying was, was the sponsor relationship was super strong. And, uh, you know, we had a great connection. Sure. Yeah, we're joined by Greg Biffle here on episode number 69 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. And uh, Greg, I got to ask you, when you'd stepped away from the car and it was a while before we saw you again, you came back and uh, ran the 51 truck for, for KBM, and KBM wasn't doing too great to their standards at that point. How important was that for you to go back to the truck series and get to victory lane and also help out Kyle and help his team figure out through their slump they were going through? Yeah, I'll tell you what, that was – I mean, it had to have been – or it is really a highlight of my career. So I hadn't been in a car in three years, two and a half years, let's say. And I hadn't driven a truck for 15 years. Wow. So it had been some time and the track was reconfigured <laughs> since the last time I ran on it, yeah. you know, so turn one was, was different. So I had a lot of challenging things, but uh, it's interesting how things work out. It, the, the truck drove really good. It was a lot of fun. Kyle had been bugging me for some time to come run full-time for him, come run some races. And I'll tell you, we were at the desert, you know, riding side-by-sides, sitting around the campfire. And he's like, so are you going to run my truck in Texas for me or not? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, all right, all right, I'll do it. I'll drive it for you. So I said, if I'm going to do it, I got to you know, can I test or practice or whatever? And he's like, no, there's no, you know, testing had changed and, and all of that. So I went there in April for the April race and I made like, I scuffed in like four sets of tires. But as David knows, that's not the fun thing to do no, no. is you're living on the edge scuffing in these sets of tires. And I certainly didn't want to wreck that thing. But anyway, I went and ran, you know, 12 or 14 laps in April and just kind of got my feet wet, so to speak. And uh, I went back at the June race and, and we had a good race. Car was fast. There was guys faster than us for sure. But, uh, you know, as David knows, the fastest car doesn't always win. No, but th that's what I was talking about, Greg. You know, we know 
the people on the inside know you put Greg Biffle in a race car that's that's capable of winning with your ability. Uh, I mean, you're going to the front, you're going to win races, you know what I mean? And I don't care if it was 10 years later, you know, I, you, right now you could step into a cup car, one of the powerhouse teams, and you go to victory lane. There's no doubt. I wasn't surprised, but, man, it was a cool story. Uh, cool story because, man, it's just the way it all played out, you know. And, and it didn't surprise me because I already knew you put Greg Biffle in something and he's going to victory lane, you know what I mean? But it was cool the way it came about and just jumping in cold turkey, really, and going to victory lane. I mean, that, that, was, that was pretty awesome, man. There yeah, was a lot, was, of, a lot of people was excited. They said, man, Biff's going to be back full-time in the truck, you know? <laughs> I'll tell you, that was the first race of that three-race challenge. Oh, it Remember was. Remember the, the, the half-a-million-dollar yeah. challenge? And so that was the very first race. And so we said, okay, we're going to run the other two now. And then we weren't pre-entered for the other two races. So they wouldn't let me wow. enter the other two races. And there's been a lot of rule changes because of me over the years in NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they actually changed the rules, the entry list rule that, uh, you know, somehow now, anyway, now under today's rules, that would have, that would have happened. You know, I'd have been able to run the other, the other two races because the first thing was when I won that race, I was only scheduled to run that one. Everybody's like, well, so you got to run the next one. You're the only guy eligible now because you won the first of the three. And I'm like, well, that's, that's a good point. And uh, Kyle immediately, as soon as I, I got out of victory lane or whatever, walked back to the, to my motor home. He's like, you know, he'd already been on the phone with him and, trying to get it worked out. He's tweeting um, Marcus Lamonis and, <laughs> and anyway, so they, we weren't able to put it together, but yeah, um, it would have been a lot of fun to try it. Absolutely. And, well, and, and, and Greg, uh, you, you flash forward to this year and we've gotten, like you said, see you in a few cup races today, Daytona 500, Vegas, Atlanta, Richmond. What's the likelihood of more races? How many more cup races at this time do you have planned in 2022 and beyond? Well, I mean, again, it's the startup team, the NY racing team. And, you know, they've had their challenges uh, with people. You know, everybody's been short um, personnel and employees from restaurants to, to you name it. So they're experiencing the same thing. It's, it's tough, to get, uh, tough to get guys. A lot of guys left the sport yeah. when, you know, this new car came and they didn't need all the fabricating positions and – all of that so it's uh you know that made that made a huge difference and and you know they're trying to acquire sponsorship they only have one car they do have a second chassis um that they're attempting to get together i know part shortage has been a huge issue like we got they got the nose i think the night before the car needed to go in the trailer to get to richmond wow and so you know, the car didn't go across the chassis dyno, didn't go to the Hawkeye, nothing. And literally, I'm telling you, the story of this car going to the Daytona 500, never in my life have I been involved <laughs> in a, a program like that. Childress, it, the car came from Childress. They dropped it off on Friday. They couldn't jack it up, and they had no way to take the tires off it. 
they uh, set it up on the on the shop floor. Well, they didn't set it up. It was already set up. That was before the Vegas race. Um, it, it was set up by by um, RCR. We put it in the trailer. They had two guys working for them, and they ended up in Daytona. They had about six guys pulled together, and we couldn't get the thing off of the jack to get out of the garage to go out on the track God. because you know you need a special jack for this new car and I, you know it's just been a challenge new car new team new everything it, it, it's been a, a serious challenge uh for these guys so fast forward to when are we going to run again they were talking about the 600 i wasn't looking forward to that because <laughs> that is a very very long race um so now they're they're targeting a few few races a little bit later in the season, and I'm getting ready to do you know Sand Outlaw Series race and and some SRX races, which I'd already had planned prior to the NY Racing deal. So they may end up with if they go back racing um, before if I can't make it, depending on the scheduling, um, you know they'll obviously get somebody else to drive it for for the interim. So. Yeah, and looking flash forwarding even to 2023, right opportunity, right chance. Would you go back full time racing with NY Racing or any other team in the Cup Series? You know, I don't know. Um, it, it, I'm not going to say no because you never know what opportunity may lie out there. But most likely not, not full time. I will. I'll, again, I'd love to run the Daytona 500 in 2023, and I hope I'm going to do that. Uh, I, I would love to run some other races. I had a lot of fun running Vegas, believe it or not. It's one of my favorite tracks. I, I would go run some, a limited schedule again to, to help a team get uh, get going or run a second car or, or, or third car, fourth car, whatever it might be. But I don't think it's in the cards to, to do a full-time deal unless it was that perfect opportunity. Sure. So, Greg, let me ask you, going back in time a bit, we mentioned you grew up in Vancouver, Washington, just outside of Portland there, and went on with the, the great success you had winning a truck championship, Xfinity championship, and everything. Where did it all, all start for you there in, uh, in Vancouver? What was the, the first thing you drove in your path to get to NASCAR like? So it was. it's interesting. We lived uh, out kind of in the country, lived on – um, you know, eight acres. And I begged my dad for a go-kart. I remember I begged my dad for a go-kart <laughs> every weekend, every single weekend. I had motorcycles, but, you know, I got my first motorcycle when I was, you know, four and a half years old. So I've been riding a, a motorcycle my whole life, but I uh, didn't start driving, you know, anything that burnt gas and had wheels, I was on. It didn't matter if it was a tractor <laughs> or a forklift. Um, I'll never forget my dad's like, go up and get your grandmother's car. We got to jumpstart this, this, you know, whatever. And my eyes lit up, you know, I get to go drive, uh, get to drive a car. So I love driving anything that, that I could at an early age. And then I, I started, uh, I worked at an automotive machine shop there in high school. Cause I loved the engines and loved building stuff. And what that that automotive machine shop, my dad was good friends with that guy. He had oval track cars. Wow. So one weekend, my dad's like, "Hey, do you want to go to the the uh, races? It's they race Friday night, Portland Speedway." And I'm like, "Sure, I'll do that." And uh, 
I went, we went to the racetrack on Friday night and there we were, you know, looking through the fence, hanging out in the pits, whatever. And I was absolutely hooked. The hook, line, and sinker. The minute I saw that, <laughs> I'm like, that is me. I mean, literally went home that night. I think the next day I bought a car. Wow. My dad and I did. And it had to, of course, be a Ford because my dad was a Ford guy. <laughs> and we bought a 74 Ford Torino. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the race in the street stock class. So, um Anyway, we wanted a full-frame car. Ford didn't have, obviously, like a lot of options like Nova, Camaro, mm -hmm. those kinds of things that, uh, that Chevy did. So this was, this was what we picked and put together and went out there and started, started learning uh, what it was like to race in a circle. So that's really how I got my start in, wow. in racing in general. So from there, of all the things you've done, what, what's your proudest accomplishment, would you say, Greg? Uh man, winning the 24-hour lemons race and first job. <laughs> so, so that that's my that's my second re, uh, semi-retired accomplishment. Um, okay. I'll tell you quickly about it, but it uh, me and my buddies we wanted to go run this this lemons race. I, I've seen a bunch of other people do it. And uh, so we decided to build this Crown Vic. So I've, I've got I got a dirt track at my mountain property, and I have like 13 of these cars. And uh, one of them had a bad transmission. So I'm like, let's take that car. We'll put a five-speed in it because it's the same 4.6 as a Mustang. And uh, we'll put a roll cage in it. We'll just go have some fun. So we this 24-hour race is coming up in Kershaw. And I'm like, well, we can't go there cold turkey after building this whole car. I said, we got to go run a race first and get our feet wet, figure out, you know, how the car drives and all that. So we went, we got this car done. I chassis dynoed it. It made 200, <laughs> it made 218 horsepower at the rear tires. It's a lot, man. <laughs> it's a lot. So we go to Pittsburgh. I towed this thing all the way to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And we raced. It's one of the coolest tracks I've ever been to in my life. Wow. Like a three-mile road course in the middle of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> it was the nicest racetrack I've been to. It was really cool. We had a ton of fun. Wow. And anyway, we ended up finishing second there at, that, uh, at our first race. And we learned a lot about it. We knew we didn't have enough brakes. And, uh, so we, uh, we came home, we had two weeks to work on the car before Kershaw got the car ready, went to Kershaw, had five drivers and radios and put all this stuff together. We know the car used four quarts of oil in about 12 <laughs> hours. So halfway into the race, we put a gallon of oil in it. We changed the tires <laughs> and do all this stuff anyway we got the lead at about 2 30 in the morning wow and uh we ended up winning it by about we were about five laps ahead um at the end but really that's not that much because it takes about three and a half laps to make a pit stop <laughs> so we were we were kind of one pit stop uh ahead of the uh ahead of our close competition and I couldn't sleep. You know, I went and laid down, tried to sleep. My buddy's driving it 
And the thing is, David, these guys have never raced in their life. My, <laughs> my four buddies, right? My brother <laughs> drove it and, and three buddies. They'd never raced in their life. And, uh, you know, he's Dude. out there at the final stint. And I'm like, just like you're driving to work on uh, just in a fast pace, driving to work, don't, <laughs> don't run it any harder than that. And uh, anyway, we sailed her home. I needed to stretch the fuel mileage on the last, you know, I didn't want to pit. I didn't want to run out. Right. We were, you know, we were going to win it. So I'm telling you, it was the, you know, crew chief, build the car, coach all the guys, you know, it has two seats. I put two seats in it <laughs> so I could take each driver out on the racetrack and show them and, and show them kind of, you know, mm -hmm. what to do, just sort of the basics. It was just, it was just so much fun. It was the funnest thing I've done in a long time in a race car. Dude, that's amazing, man. We, we did a lemons race five or six years ago at a road course, just Northwest of the Texas motor speedway at Eagles mountain raceway. And yeah, it was crazy. It, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was really cool. I didn't even know what a lemon deal deal was. It. My little cousin said, "Man, he he kept up with it." And I'm trying to remember. We built a. Um, we put a roll cage in it, and you know, uh, worked on the motor a little bit. And I'm trying to remember what it was. It was crazy, man. And it was crazy because all the other cars that were Crown Vicks, Cadillacs, it was all <laughs> kinds of stuff, and it was a. Uh, it was a 24 hours race, you know, and, yeah. uh, and man, I was supposed to drive a stint and I had something come up. I couldn't make it, but man, it, it was, it was the coolest thing. You know what I mean? I, uh, I went out there for a little bit. I uh, couldn't stay very long, but all the people that had cars and all kinds of different cars, but Just man, all you know, amateurs, yeah, I, that's I mean, the coolest thing. But the coolest thing is your buddies, man. You know, these guys have never even participated, ever, never been in a race before in their life. And you're freaking driving, you're partnered or teamed up with Greg Biffle, the NASCAR champion, dude. That's 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 amazing, you know. <laughs> with, yeah. You know, when you team up with somebody, you're gonna partner up in a racing team and people's gonna drive their their time or their stint, you know. You, you think that your drivers have raced something before and, and you're four other guys even your brother nobody's ever raced before you were the only one <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot of fun they they uh we did it wasn't without uh a little a little bit of uh episodes so you know we had a couple spin outs and we had a few of this few of that but um overall we persevered it was it was really preparing the car yeah and you know you and i I mean, that's where the disadvantage comes from because sure. you and I understand um, what it's like to prepare a race car. Absolutely. You know, and, 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 and how every attention to detail means so, so much. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's where this car was. You know, I didn't spend a bunch of money on it, but I just made sure everything was, was as good as I could get it um, within with the tools I had to work with. Absolutely. That's man. great. Well, let me ask a, a question kind of for both of you before we move on here. You obviously raced against each other for a long time in, in uh, you know, a couple different series in NASCAR and such. Greg, what, what comes to mind when uh, you look back uh, and share the racetrack with David over the years? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I mean, we've had some good races. I'll tell you what, uh, some good door-to-door -door, uh, competition. 
I, I think I remember the, the truck series the most, really, uh, racing with David. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always fun. It doesn't matter. Anybody that at that level that is racing, you know, trucks or cars or whatnot has huge credentials and huge accomplishment. Um, it, it's not – it doesn't come easy. And we've all had our success along the way. Uh, when it comes to that, but we've had some pretty good uh, tight races. It was always cool to to know that you raced with Greg Biffle, and he 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 was so successful in the truck series, and seeing him to move on out of the trucks and go to Xfinity and win a championship, win a lot of races there, and then you know it just it was just cool to watch his career. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, and I I uh, I said, man, Biff's going to win him a championship. You know what I mean? And mm. I know you got close, uh, but it was just cool to. To, to have race with you and to see, you know, uh, you know, you were obviously winning tons of truck races in the championship and driving for Jack Roush, man. I was, just, I was just excited for you. You know, it was cool. A great opportunity for, a, you know, a, for a guy that deserved the opportunity, you know, these days, you know, the way Greg Biffle did it. And I believe the way I did it, we kind of drove our way there, you know what I mean? Now yeah. it's a little bit different, you know what I mean? For a guy that was a great race car driver and somebody gave him an opportunity and deserved the opportunity, you know, it wasn't like he bought his way there. And, man, it was just, you know, all the way to cup and almost winning the championship and all the cup races, you know what I mean? It's amazing. I don't I don't know where you're at on the all-time win list on cup. Dom, I could probably tell yeah, Dom, but, man, the winning <laughs> – what do you got? How many? Uh, How many wins does he have, Dom? He got cup? 19 wins. He's 46, I believe, on the all-time. That's list. amazing in the world. You know, since the thing started in 1940, whatever. You know, what I mean, it's, it's amazing. But uh, but pretty cool, Greg. It's well, uh, man, uh, it's it's kind of cool to see at peace with everything. You know what I mean? And uh, but man, I just keep I think about that truck race. You know, hadn't been in a vehicle in years and jumped in there and. You know, I wasn't, I sure in the hell wasn't surprised. And, I, and a lot of people on the inside wasn't, but the fans and everybody said, man, can't believe Biffle jumped in the truck. Well, he's driving a freaking, the, you know, one of the best trucks. And it's Greg yeah. What'd you expect? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, a, you know, I'll tell you what, Kyle has great equipment. And, uh, you know, it's funny because he said, look, we haven't been that good at Texas. Yeah. And, uh, I wasn't that good here in the spring. We got two tires and got out front, and I was able to hold them off. Yeah. And I'm like, great, I'm coming back to drive my first <laughs> time in two years. You're telling me you're not that good here, or the, the equipment. Yeah, But, but man, uh, it, man, it was good equipment, trust yeah. me. It was good equipment, but we had a solid top five, top right. four truck, and that's that's all you need. It, it that I've said that forever in my career. You have to run – in the top five to win a race. You just, you gotta be running in that top five for that opportunity to come. You know, for that, you get a good pit stop. You, uh, whatever you do, it typically, the wins come from when you have a top five, you know, opportunity. Absolutely. And so that's what's so important with these drivers is, that's why they're excited about, you know, a top five, you know, is, is, you had that opportunity. You had that chance. Um, so, you know, we had a solid top five truck, if not a little better than that. And, uh, I, you know, I was just grateful for the opportunity. At the time, I remember, and I'm, I'm thinking back, and I could be wrong, but I think they were struggling. They had some different drivers driving their yeah. stuff. And, you know, they wouldn't – they wouldn't – 
the Kyle Busch way of just winning all the time. You know, they were struggling, you know what I mean? And it was kind of cool to, to see Kyle Busch back in victory lane with Greg Biffle, you know what I mean? I mean, once I heard that, I'm like, dude, whoever's the, you know, it's like whoever the top guy is, you know, and it was Kyle Busch, all his drivers, but like I said, they were struggling. And, man, they throw you in there, and then you win, man. It was just – it was really cool. You know, I, I can understand you thinking that was a – that was probably one of the biggest cool things in your career, you know. But, uh, but man, that, that was a neat deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for those other drivers. <laughs> uh, I think it was Harrison Burton and uh, I think Todd Gillen. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, were, were his other drivers. You know, because, again, it wasn't the fastest truck there. Uh, but but it was a top five truck, and actually Gillen was was um, I think he was trying to pass for the lead, or he was in front of me on a restart. We were like maybe uh, fourth and or third and fifth on a restart, and uh, he he got taken out or he got loose on inside yeah. of somebody. So he he had a good truck that day as well. But exactly, you know, just right place, the right, right. time, good right. solid equipment, absolutely good good pit stops. Yeah. For sure. Dominic, uh, real quick, go ahead. Yeah, hey, last question before we move on to the news and notes segment. Greg, I mean, it's easy to, to what if, what it could have, should have sort of thing. We had Doug Richard on the show a few weeks ago, and he was talking about working with you. And I'm curious from your perspective, had Doug stayed at Roush much longer, would we be talking about more wins and more championship competing years had Doug Richard been your crew chief maybe through the end of the 2000s into the 2010s? Yeah, I think so. Doug, Doug you know, obviously a talented guy paid attention to detail. Uh, all of my crew chiefs I had were, were um, you know, definitely, um, you know, definitely good guys. But here's the thing. When a team struggles, they start changing things. And you see some of these teams switch entire teams, crew chief, mechanics, everything. They'll flip-flop. Now the nine is the 48, and the 48's the nine. We've seen these things over the years. And I heard a funny analogy uh, a few, you know, since I've been back around in the garage area, is, you know, when a team's struggling and things are happening, the driver's normally not the first guy to go. It's someone, someone lower on the, you know, lower on the list. So when, when your equipment isn't as good and your arrow is off and, and whatever might not be going on, um, you know, they're going to replace the crew chief. They're going to make changes within the team. They're trying to get that team back to, to its winning ways. Um, you know, so that, that, uh, that was their philosophy when they, when they, you know, swapped out Doug. Um, it, but yes, I mean, look, if we would have had the right, you know, package and the right, the right opportunities, Doug and I would have was certainly won more races for sure. And, you know, I think back to that 2005 year that uh, we were going to win the title and we left uh, a guy, tire changer left the wheel loose at, at Texas. We were running third, probably out of car we could win with and uh, ended up having to come down pit road under green and, lost the lap and the you know we never were in position the whole rest of that race to get the lucky dog and we ended up losing the championship by only five spots Man. so that that year so that was a tough was a tough 
Yeah. You know, I still think about that today. <laughs> Out of anything, you asked a good question. You know, what, yeah. uh, what are moments that you remember? And that's something I remember. That was my third title. 2005 was the year uh, we, we won more races than anyone in the series. And in 2005, we won six times. Um, but it just, you know, came up a little bit short. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last question, then we'll get to uh, news and notes. Uh, Greg, when are we going to see you drive the number 69 car? That's got to happen. <laughs> At least you're, before you retire or something. When, when's this going to go down? Maybe his lemon race, man. <laughs> uh, I'm driving the 69 car in the uh, in the SRX series. Oh, so. oh hey! <laughs> you're going to get to see it pretty soon. Pretty awesome, soon. man. <laughs> pretty soon. That's awesome. And if I, if I start my own cup team, which after watching what we've done this year with, with, with nothing, a shop that doesn't even have a bench in it, uh, and, and running 13th in the duels, uh, maybe, maybe if I start my own team, I'll be, I'm definitely going to get the 69 number. So, <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. nice. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> Indeed. Our uh, news and notes segment coming up in just a moment, but before we do, I want to tell you about Ticket Smarter, the official ticket resale marketplace of this weekend's race at Worldwide Technology Raceway. David won there in 2004 in the Truck Series. They'll be the presenting sponsor for this weekend's Cup Race. Fans can get tickets to any type of event, including sports, concerts, theater productions. Ticket Smarter is committed to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction. To various charity organizations, head over to TicketSmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. That's TicketSmarter.com. Dominic, uh, the news and notes side of things. Go ahead and tell us what's going on. Well, I'll tell you what's staying put is Phoenix Raceway as the championship finale for the NASCAR championship race weekend. NASCAR announced on Tuesday, May 31st, the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, Truck Series, and the Arca Menards West Series will continue to crown their championships through at least the 2023 season in Phoenix, in the first weekend of November, first full weekend of November, that is. So that will make it the fourth straight year that Phoenix will host the championship. Prior to Phoenix, Homestead Miami Speedway was the track that hosted the championship races from 2002 to 2019. So guys, Phoenix is staying put as the championship race. Yeah, and tickets, uh, grandstand tickets are already sold out for this year's race. And there's a wait list for next year's championship race that they're about to do. Uh, Greg, let's start with you. You won uh, a couple of those season finales there at Homestead. What do you think about Phoenix as the, the final race here? You know, I really love that uh, racetrack. I've won at Phoenix as well. Um, it won at Homestead a couple of years in a row, three years in a row, I think. Wow. Uh, it, it, that's the other thing that stings a little bit is under any other points format from, from the 2005 season on, I'd won at least one title. <laughs> but – under the current format, two titles, wow. because I went to Homestead in the top four in points and wow. then won the race. Wow. So, uh, but back to the point, I like both racetracks. I love Phoenix, though. It, it's one of my favorite places. I grew up out west. I actually ran at that track uh, in, a, in a super late model car. And it's always just been one of those places I love going to. So I, I like the championship uh, being there uh, for sure. And, and I think it needs to change. I, I think that the championship track needs to continue to change because David knows exactly what I'm talking about. 
what if Phoenix perhaps is your worst racetrack? Right. You know, so if you make the, the championship final four and you go there and that's not your best racetrack, you, you know, I don't think it should be the same place year after year after year. If they're going to make the championship come down to a single race, which is what they've done. They've allowed, you know, four guys and whoever finishes the best at this last race under that format, I think that that racetrack needs to, you know, change throughout the, uh, you know, through over time. They need to mix that up. What about you, David? What do you think uh, of Phoenix hosting the championship race? And as Greg mentions, an idea of going to different tracks, you know, I, I think about uh, you look at some of these other sports, like you, you take, for example, the NFL, the Super Bowl. It goes to the highest bidder every year gets to host the Super Bowl championship. Same with the college football national championship or some of these other events. Could you see a scenario where the championship race rotates and maybe it's a bid process of sorts? Well, I don't know if I see that, but, you know, I, I agree with Greg. You know, Phoenix, I love Phoenix. Going out west and, and being in the desert and just I love that atmosphere. And that's just a driver's track that Phoenix. I've won there myself, and it's just a cool racetrack, you know, but – like, it's interesting to hear Greg talk about it because under the current format, he would have had two more championships. You know what I mean? The way it's, the way it's laid out and how, how it works. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how NASCAR does all that, but I, I kind of agree with Greg. You know, maybe, you know, it was for so long that we ended in Miami Homestead Racetrack, you know, and then they moved it to Phoenix, you know, and, and maybe, maybe they need to make it like a three-year commitment, you know. So, okay, we, Phoenix has had it for three years, and now we're going to – move it over here to Kansas City or wherever it may be in the country. I, I feel like I think that's a great idea. I, I hadn't really paid much attention to that, but hearing Greg say that, I think that's really perfect. And I don't know if it's a five-year thing, three-year thing, but I do I do agree that they need to move it around, you know, whether it's, you know, I don't know what the terms are, you know, it needs to be some type, not just, you know, be interesting. They moved it every year. But it just seemed like Phoenix has done a lot of work to that racetrack. It was always a great racetrack, but the, the, the amenities and, and what they've done for the fan zone and just they, re, you know, kind of remodeled the whole racetrack. It's beautiful. The racetrack itself is, to me, is still races the same. It's still the same. But, man, they, they moved the, the front straightaway to the backside. You know, they rotated the racetrack. And I don't know. I, I, I think it's – I love the place, like Greg was saying, but I, I think they need to move it around and just trying to figure out, you know, how many years does a, does a, does a racetrack get the championship race, you know? I mean, they kind of cool if they did it every year, but we haven't seen that in a long time. Right. It'd be interesting to see what happens in the future. Well, on Dominic, there's a couple factors. Uh, Phoenix is a NASCAR-owned track. I can't imagine NASCAR giving up the title race to someone else. And then, two, it is middle November. That knocks out a lot of other possibilities with that time of year, places you can't go to. Uh, their options are more limited than I think maybe people realize. I think so. I mean, Tyler, we've been out there in October to go cover NASCAR races at Kansas Speedway, and it has been very cold in an October weekend. And we know NASCAR fans and the sport of NASCAR is kind of just generally associated with warmer and hotter weather temperatures. So I think you're limited. Homestead, Phoenix. What about starting the season and ending the season in Daytona? Maybe Talladega if you want to really have it a crapshoot. But there's very limited options. You're right. I don't think – I don't see SMI taking over 
the championship race weekend. We they already have the all-star race weekend. NASCAR's not going to give it up, like you said. Yeah, that's a very good point. Dom, uh, looking ahead to this weekend at Worldwide Technology Raceway in St. Louis, first ever visit for the Cup Series, but a familiar place for the truck and Xfinity Series. Yeah, the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series are no strangers to the Gateway Track in Madison, Illinois. Xfinity has run there between 1997 and 2010, and the Truck Series ran from 98 to about 2000. I believe it was 2010, and they started revisiting the track in 2014. So certainly no stranger to NASCAR races, but yes, the first Cup Series race that will be held at the track, and Kyle Larson is your favorite heading into this weekend. Greg, uh, what do you think about uh, this weekend there at uh, Gateway? You've been to that track. Uh, you excited to see Cup cars there this weekend? I am. I, I, that, I think it's a great racetrack. Um, I was able to win there uh, one time. And I, I love that place. It's a, it's a fun racetrack. It'll be exciting for the fans, everybody to see this race this weekend. And I definitely agree. I think Kyle Larson and, and some of these, uh, some of these other guys that are, that are good at these short type, I, it, it races really like a short track. It really does. It's pretty flat, uh, flat turns. It, it's going to be exciting race to, to watch. David, we mentioned you've won there before, too. Uh, what, what do you make of uh, Cup uh, racing out there? Man, I think it's a great racetrack, and I think the fans in that part of the country, they're, they're so excited. It's, uh, it's interesting, you know. And, and Greg, this, this new car, this next-gen car, man, I was uh, watching practice at Martinsville. Dude, they're shifting, getting into the corner. I'm like, are they shifting? I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? So if they're shifting at Martinsville, you know they're going to be shifting there at St. Louis. I just think it's going to be a great race. I'm excited to watch it, and uh, it's, going to, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm sure uh, it's going to be a sold-out race, and uh, it's going to be kind of cool to, to see them, the cup cars race there at St. Louis for me. Yeah, I mean, the shifting thing is, uh, you know, it's going to happen everywhere, right? With, yeah. with that sequential box and the, and the gears that close together. It's funny, they used to try and keep us from shifting, and now you're shifting at Martinsville. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just incredible. So they'll definitely be shifting at St. Louis. We yeah. shifted there. Uh, yes, I think we, we shifted there in the trucks. We, I tried it. I, I mean, for me uh, – I tried it, and uh, and we ended up not shifting, but we did try it. And I'm trying to remember why we didn't continue to shift, but we tried it in practice and decided not to shift, you know. And and maybe that's why I only won there once. <laughs> but, anyway. but I'll tell you what, it sure feels faster when you're shifting. Absolutely. And you can you listen to that motor rev up, and you Woo. shift, and. You come back around and the lap time's like half a tenth slower, and you're like, "That's not. That's impossible." <laughs> well, then also as far as uh, tracks go, I know that it's just Cup and Truck uh, in St. Louis and Greg uh, in your neck of the woods, uh, where you're from, Portland, getting that Xfinity race this weekend. Uh, how exciting is that uh, with that track and fans in the Northwest? Uh, they, they don't get to see NASCAR, high-level NASCAR racing, very often like that. No, they don't. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm really disappointed because I, I wanted to run that race so bad. And I, you know, I kind of planned on early in the season when I saw it come on the schedule. I'm like, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to get a uh, get an opportunity. But I, I reached out to Richard Childress only about four or five weeks ago and said, hey, I want to run this race. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, obviously they can't, you know, they got a plan ahead and transporters and it's all the way across the country. Uh, so they, they just didn't have the opportunity to get, to get equipment together. I've got a pretty good relationship with Richard, but, uh, I think it's cool for the fans out there. I'm, I'm kind of upset I'm missing it, but, um, you know, it's going to be a fun race, uh, for, for everybody. And I'm, I know that track not well. I've run there about three or four times, so it would be an advantage uh, for me going this weekend. Wow. David, you've been out to that track? I've never been there. That's why I'm not going. My <laughs> 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 team put another driver in the, in the car, you know, and uh, and I don't even, you know, I'm sad to say, I don't even remember what his name is, but he, uh, you know, he's raced out there a lot, has a lot of laps. It's kind of like Greg, you know, I mean, having an advantage of knowing the racetrack. A lot of the guys that I, that we race with uh, every week, you know, they're saying, man, I'm, I'm work doing, driving the simulator, trying to learn the racetrack. But, uh, but there's a lot of guys that are driving these race cars that have, have plenty of laps there. You know, I'm seeing a lot of teams put a road, road racing ace in there. And uh, hell, Greg, if I'd have known you were looking for a ride, well, I'd have, I'd have told Bobby Dodd to reach out to Biff, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would have drove that thing. I, I would have uh... – I'd have been there for in a second. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, real quick, guess some picks for the cup race. Dominic, we'll start with you. Uh, who do you have winning in St. Louis? Man, I'm going to go with the guy that almost won the Coke 600. He's our defending champion. And Vegas is calling the odds on favorite. Kyle Larson gets done a gateway. Okay. David, how about you? Man, you know, Ross Chastain has just been hot. He's one of the top guys. Like hearing Greg Biffle talk earlier about, you know, Man, if you you if you're in the top five week in and week out, your 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 wins are going to come, you know. So I got to go without with one of the track house drivers, you know. Uh, Daniel Suarez was really fast in the 600, and he had a great car. Unfortunately, he he moved up, and and somebody was still there, and he wrecked himself. But it looks like I mean he's he uh you know I think he's close to a win. Ross Chastain. So I'm I'm going to go with one of the track house uh, drivers. I feel like we keep adding new tracks just to add to this guy's list of places that he's won. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyle Busch to get it done. Oh, man. St. Louis. <laughs> took my pick. <laughs> you should have uh, your first, man. <laughs> okay, right. Greg, elaborate. We're in agreement. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. We're in agreement. Uh, Kyle's very talented when it comes to uh, challenging in new places. And he, he adapts well, uh, quickly. And uh, I, I think he'll be, I think he'll be good there. I, I do. Um, I, I don't know. You know, we will see. I think William Byron could be good. Look, there's just a handful of guys that, uh, that, that are going to, are going to be there. And I like, Ross Chastain, I mean, you know, like David said, he's, he's just on fire. He's doing a great job and not certainly not going to compare myself to him, but it reminds me actually a lot of like my early cup days in, in 2004 and five, you know, he just, he's just kind of come on the scene and he's, you know, sort of quietly getting it done. He's there every week. And people really don't expect him to be there, but I think they're like, shit, he's there, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Ross is certainly fun to watch. Our Ask David segment coming up in just a moment, but before we do, let's go racing with David Starks, presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year on David's Oweyd Ford Mustang. Well, we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Race throughout the season. Visit TicketSmarter.com. For more, that's ticketsmarter.com. Time for our Ask David segment. Each and every week on this show, we ask you to submit questions for David and our guests. And the way you can do so is by going to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash David Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, David Star Podcast at gmail.com. And so, with uh, that being said, let's go ahead and uh, get to the uh, inbox for our questions this week. And uh, the question, uh, first question in the inbox, this comes from uh, Caleb and kind of elaborating, we touched on it a little bit, but more, maybe more in depth, uh, Greg. Are you a fan of the next gen cars? And do you like the cars that we, uh, that, you, that you used to race on? How's it compared to the old cars? You like what they ran before compared to, now, or do you like these guys better now, this next year? Well, well, I'm going to go – I'm probably going to go with the David answer is uh, I like the cars in 2005 and 2006. <laughs> that A lot of creativity, a lot of ingenuity. Uh, man, you know, just the teams, the stuff they could do and the, the things they learned, I love those cars. But I will say that I believe the next-gen car over time – is going to benefit the series simply from the fact that um, the, the, the new teams and other teams will be able to uh, ha have a uniform piece that, that remains the same. And so I, I think over time, it's a good thing for the series. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, I think it could have been a little sexier on some <laughs> of the ergonomics of the of the car uh difficult to get the shock and springs on and off that's something you do on the race car constantly so some of those things i think uh missed the point but overall a good platform james wants to know greg uh how did the deal come about of getting the hbcus involved to sponsor the 44 car that you've been driving this year well, really, that that stemmed through uh, John Cohen and his background. He he uh, went to uh, school at at HBCU, had deep ties to all of those folks, and was able really to bring that that program all together. And it was so neat to see it. Uh, and, and I learned so much about all the different schools. It's been cool to see him interact and, and the, the new fan base and clientele that, that the sport's picking up. And uh, I just enjoy being part of it. Yeah, that's, uh, that is uh, really cool. Uh, another question, uh, this one comes from uh, Halley. Halley wants to know, when Greg was driving for the Evans Nemechek team for a few Bush races in the mid-2000s, it was a Chevy team. Greg was driving in cup for Roush, a Ford team. That Bush deal came in – went quickly can you walk us through the process or the <laughs> politics behind the situation well they, they probably 
Ford gave me permission to drive that car. They weren't happy about it, but they probably didn't expect how good I was going to do <laughs> in the Cup Series. So, you know, when we came out and, and won a bunch of races and I'm driving a Chevy on Saturday, uh, I don't think they were thrilled about it. So um, they kind of put an end to it after. I think I did it for a little over a year, but I had a tremendous amount of fun and, and driving for those guys. Very cool. Uh, Dominic, uh, any others that, uh, that I missed? Any, any good questions we want to bring up? No, it looks like we got a, a got a, really a lot of response there on social media for a lot of the questions. So, no, we, we do thank you. A lot of fan questions were coming up. A lot of stuff we touched on during the show. So kind of kind of thing covers it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Greg, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, also, yep. before we go to, uh, we, we didn't really talk much about SRX. Tell us about the, the six races that's going on and, and the field this year is, is even better than it was last year. Tell us about that real quick. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> I, got some, I got some tough competition. They got some great guys, I'll tell you. But I'm looking forward. I'm going to run all six of them from Pensacola, Florida, is the first one. Um, you know, I, I'm a little bit nervous about the dirt races. I'm not a. I'm not a huge dirt racer. Uh, you know, I haven't got a huge background in it, but. A lot of car control, so we'll see when we get there uh, how I end up. But I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun, uh, interesting uh, format, and it's really it's fairly short and exciting. And uh, I'm I'm ready I'm ready to get after it. Hey Biff, I'm, I'm hey buddy. If I was a betting man, I'm putting my money on you, dude. Because hey, e equipment's supposed to be equal, same motor, same everything. Uh, same guy, I guess, setting them all up. And you're not going to Eldora. So <laughs> Tony doesn't have an advantage, thankfully. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I feel like you're going to win two, three, or four of them, dude. I mean, you know. Yep, I hope so. You know, yeah. it's uh, I was close last year. Yeah. And uh, and we'll get out there and, and give it a give it a whirl. As long as I can stay away from Paul Tracy, I think I'm going to be in good shape. <laughs> He, he's out of control, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't figure it out because he's pretty fast at times. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Tell me this, Greg, uh, with, with this being just the, the second year of this and a limited series, what would a win or even a championship compare to some of the other stuff you've done? How, how big of a deal is this? for you competing in SRX? How does it compare to some of the bigger things you've done? Well, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like winning. I mean, David could contest to that. As a driver, doesn't matter what it is, that lemons race I talked about. <laughs> a win is a win. Yeah, and absolutely. I'll tell you, to win the championship would be, would be really exciting. Uh, but hopefully I win one of the six races, uh, you know, and, and, Hopefully I'm there at the end for the for the championship, but it would certainly be uh, a feather in my cap to to be able to get out there and win one of those races and, and potentially win the championship. Well, it's going to be fun watching you, dude. No doubt about yep, it. Yep, I can't wait. Dominic, uh, final question to you. Absolutely, Mel. You know we've talked a lot about your racing and the accomplishments. One thing we forgot on your impressive six-page resume. You guys are used to acting. Tell us about getting to be in Yes, Dear, and the lawnmower racing, how that all came together, and, and being in a TV sitcom. 
It's a good thing I'm fairly good at driving a race car. <laughs> because acting is just not up my it's not up my alley. It was fun to do. Uh I had fun doing it. It it but you don't know what the final piece looks like when you're you know when you're filming it. And so it's hard for me to put my mind around you know acting that part when you don't really kind of get the you know the concepts is a, is it looks like a magazine or a piece of paper and they have all these sketches and all this stuff and you you really don't know what the final production of it is and there's no way to watch it till you make it so for me it it was it was intriguing on how they do all of it but um it was it's hard for me to it's i don't make a good actor so i'm i had fun doing it but you're not going to see me in any movies coming up. So was it a lot of takes getting all those scenes right? Yes. Yes. It was a lot of takes. Thank God they had a lot of film. <laughs> awesome. Guys, uh, before we go real quick uh, around the room, David, uh, you're off this week, but uh, I'm sure you still have plenty going on in your world. Man, lots going on. You know what? We, you know, uh, on a, on the a, racing school from my Uncle Mike, and we got about, 60 NASCAR race cars got a school coming up June 11th and 12th and probably got four or 500 people coming. So we're just uh, getting everything ready for that. You know what I mean? And just be tuned into the cup race this weekend and watching the Xfinity race. But, uh, but Hey, Greg, man, what an honor it was to have you on our podcast, man. Can't thank you enough. You, we had a lot of fans excited that you was going to be on our 69th episode. So man, we, <laughs> we appreciate, appreciate you joining us, buddy. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it guys. And, uh, I look forward to maybe 169. <laughs> 96. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a, have a uh, great evening. Dominic, uh, real quick, what's going on with you this week? I'll be here in New Mexico. We'll be covering the sport remotely with our guys and our team with the racingexperts.com. So happy to do that. And Tyler, what's keeping you busy? I'm uh, headed off to Chicago. I'll be a little bit north of St. Louis, but I'll certainly be keeping tabs on the race and should be a lot of fun. We're going to put a check and flag out on this episode. Big thanks to Greg Biffle for joining us. You, the listener, for stopping by as well as always. Subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out each and every Wednesday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. You can follow us on social media, facebook.com slash David Starr Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. For Dominic Argon, David Starr, Greg Bookle, and Tyler Jones, thanks a lot. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.